0: Radio Drome, Radio drone, indeed. And I am frustrated as hell at my computer right now. But to make me happy, Brad and Brian are both here, right? Yay! We're
1: here for once. Well, I'm here. I'm assuming Brad's
2: here too.
0: <laughs> Asshole. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> all right,
0: we've got we've got a large show tonight because we are going to look at the filmography of one Joseph Dante. So before we do that, we got to do the Adam and Eve promo. Go to adamandeve.com, use the promo code guys, drome, and you get 50% off of a single item. You get 3 free DVDs. You get free shipping in the United States and a free mystery gift all for using the promo code drome at adamandeve.com. I'm a big fan of Joe Dante. Mm. Brad, I know you are, so I'm gonna kind of skip you because I, you and I have already talked about this numerous times off mic. Brian, where does Dante fit with you for filmmakers?
1: I don't know why, but like a lot of the stuff, like when I grew up, like my parents just introduced me to a lot of it. So I mean, just he's kind of one of those those directors. Like I I have a deep love and admiration for him just because so many of his movies are ones that I grew up with.
0: What was your first Dante flick?
1: The first one that I can really remember ever seeing was uh probably either like inner space or uh or the
0: burbs it was you didn't grow up with the howling or even gremlins definitely
1: seen gremlins uh when i was a kid but i i don't i don't know that i had seen it before
0: i saw one of the other two what about you brad what was your first joe dante
2: movie it was probably gremlins i remember seeing that for the first time when it hit video. When I was growing up in the 80s, I watched Gremlins a lot. I know that that would have been the first one. But I also, when I was a kid, I watched Explorers a lot, too.
0: People need to know Joe Dante, his first feature was really only kind of half of a movie, but it's a good movie. But he started off working with Roger Corman, and he worked in Roger Corman's trailer division. And he cut a lot of the what we consider classic movie trailers that that Corman made. And then he was, him and Alan Arkish were, were both given the, the project of either they could do rock and roll high school or they could do Hollywood Boulevard. Alan mm-hmm. Arkish chose rock and roll high school and Joe Dante chose Hollywood Boulevard, which really is only half of a movie because it also uses a bunch of stock footage from other Corman flicks. What do you guys yeah. think of? Let, let's start right at the beginning with Hollywood
2: Boulevard. I never saw Hollywood Boulevard. Really? No, I never did. I never did see that one. The first Dante movie on his filmography that I would seen is is Piranha.
1: I I have not. I I don't know that I've ever actually even heard that title even.
0: It it it's it's a it's a really good movie, and he really does integrate the Corman stock footage quite well. It's basically Candice Rialson, who Brad loves from Chatterbox. She comes to Hollywood and gets sucked in by Dick Miller as her sleazy agent, and she gets involved in all these low-budget movies that are basically Death Race 2000, using the footage, Big Bird Cage using the footage, and things like that, and it's kind of a parody of what low-budget Hollywood was. It was kind of a parody of what Working for Corman was.
2: I've seen Hollywood Boulevard 2. Does that count?
0: No, because Dante didn't have anything to do with that. I actually liked that one too, though, and Ginger Lynn was damn good in her first non-porn role.
2: I, know, I watched that one because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a really big Eddie and fan. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: liked Hollywood Boulevard too, but, but Dante had nothing to do with that. <laughs> well, th- then we move on to Piranha. Not the crappy remake, not the crappy 1995 remake, not the James Cameron pseudo-sequel, the original 1978 mm-hmm. Piranha.
2: I really, really like Piranha. I, I like it a lot because it's... Yeah, it's like a you know, like they're releasing this, you know, B movie version of Jaws, whatever. It kinda has similar marketing and everything and you know, there are similar ideas and things. But what I do like about what I do like about piranha is that it's more or less it's it's played pretty straight. Uh, you know, as straight as you could do a movie that has a bunch of piranha trying to kill you. I mean, the characters in the movie are they're taking the situation very seriously? It, it it's is. W-
0: it's one of those movies that is both funny, but it's not. It b- but it's not funny at its own expense. If that makes sense.
2: Yeah, because the char- the characters in the movie don't know it's funny. the ca- The characters in the the characters in the remake do know it's funny. The characters in Piranha Three Double D they know it's they know it's trying to be funny. Um, Unfortunately, remember- the
0: 1995 remake did that too.
2: I don't see now. I don't remember much about that one, but the uh but but this one when you see the when you see the two main characters in the 1978 Piranha, they are they're treating the situation much like the characters would like in a Jaws movie. You know, yeah, it is humorous when you see all these little fish, all these little fish swimming around and and killing people and sticking to their skin and and, and all of that. Yeah, that's kind of a humorous sight. You know, I mean, it's done in good fun and everything, but I like. I like that you have characters in this movie that that don't really realize the outlandishness of their situation.
1: Oh well, yeah, I I think actually Brad summed that up pretty well. Is that yeah, it's just that that good separation to it that it's it does have that humor to it without being a comedy
0: it has got that great line in the trailer where dick miller's on the phone with somebody and he and his assistant comes up and he goes sir about the piranha i told you stop bringing up the goddamn piranha what about them <laughs> they're eating the guests sir
2: <laughs> yeah 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 and and I, yeah and i'm not saying that like uh that you can't do a movie like that where it's very 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 much played laughs i've seen movies that do that all the time and they are very funny like shark attack three with the superimposed guy on the jet ski riding into a shark's <laughs> mouth you know i mean that's funny that's 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 got no that yeah, serious yeah. drama john Berriman standing there, so oh, want to go home and i can eat your pussy you know stuff like that like, even
0: funnier since he's gay right
2: yeah movies like that can be of, of course they can uh you know i i talk about movies like that all the time but but it is still refreshing when you see a movie like Piranha. And I'm not saying that there's not silliness in Piranha. Of course there is, but it is nice when you have at least like that kind of separation between a couple of the the main characters that are in that movie. And again, like like I said, they are being very straightforward about the situation.
0: Right. And of you know, Piranha and Hollywood Boulevard. Hollywood Boulevard being more of a parody. You started to see some of that. And the only way I can put it. And I know Dante would like this; would be his Looney Tunes style of directing, mm. which you don't see a whole lot of that in Piranha, nor his next film, The Howling, which is I love The Howling. I think The Howling is a terrific movie, and it's extremely well made.
1: Yeah, that, that's always been one I, I think. Uh, I think growing up, I'd seen the second one before I ever actually got around to seeing the original Howling. So did but, I. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a very uh, it, it's very nicely paced horror film that i i I mean i feel bad for the series because it it was just as it went on getting more and more outlandish but but yeah it's it's just it's paced really well i thought d wallace was f***ing awesome in this one
2: that standal out that standout scene at the end where she turns into a wolf on live television and they have to kill her it's just fantastic the howling is I, you know what i i like brian i i think i did see the second one before i saw but that was that was me i think it was on tv or something like the, I was the second one i
0: remember being that was a staple of hbo
2: oh yeah yeah and i'm sure that that's where it was yeah like it, i'm sure it was on hbo when i was a kid and i happened to see that so it was my first howling movie and my first red brown movie um <laughs> but then yeah i yeah i, saw, I haven't you know the Howling isn't one that I re-watch a lot like I watch American Werewolf in London a lot more than I watch The Howling. I like them both, but American Werewolf in London has a huge special place in my heart. So that that one that one was always more sentimental sentimental to me than The Howling, but The Howling in and of itself is is a fantastic is a fantastic movie if it's on I'll watch it. I haven't seen it as many times as some other people have. I haven't seen it as many times as I have as I have a lot of other Joe Dante movies. But I do, I do like the movie a lot. And
0: see, for me, I, I love the film, and it was one of the first films I hosted when I worked at Channel Thirty Two. So mm-hmm. I got to show that on Halloween one year. So I, I listened to all the commentary tracks, read everything I could, and The Howling is is a movie that you can't tell it's as low budget as it is. You keep hearing him talk on the commentary about how they had no money, but the film doesn't look like they had no money because of the way he shot it. And Dante has this, and I'm I'm not going to get it as an exact quote, but basically he said there are two types of color movies out there. Movies that are in color... And movies that are color movies. And he decided to make a color movie. So it's full of all those gels and the the colored lighting that just adds so much mood to the scenes. And I Mm -hmm. love that.
2: You're exactly right. It's a movie that it does look like it cost more than it actually did. But I mean, maybe that's because it's also got John Carradine in it. You're used to seeing him in Farah. (laughs)
0: No, <laughs> no. then next in his filmography, he did two episodes of Police Squad, which I'll, I'll admit I have not seen since the 90s, so oh, I, I don't know squad. if they feel Dante Talk or about not. In
2: co- police Squad in color.
0: Yeah, but I don't know if those those feel like Dante or not, but he did two episodes of Police Squad, and then he did, and we, we've talked about this movie before, Twilight Zone the movie, he did that insane what if Looney Tunes were on Crack segment which is That was great. I I, I don't know. I, I have to I think George Miller's segment for uh, of Terror at 20,000 feet is the 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 takeaway for that movie,
2: but I agree. But but agree. Dante's George is Miller's good. Best. But yeah, yeah Dante's yeah. was good. George, yeah, George George Miller's George Miller's was the best, but the Dante one was so bonkers, it was just so freaking insane. Like I remember I watched that section and was like what the the hell is going on here. And she, he puts her into a cartoon and he's standing there like, that's all, film. Like, it was just so outlandish that it was, it was the weirdest of all four of them in that movie. By far was it the weirdest in that movie. It, it, it really stands out amongst all four story wise, all four segments of that movie. I would say that the George Miller one was the best. But in terms of in terms of originality, in terms of in terms of being just flat out insane, the Dante one was that was the one for that.
1: Well, yeah, it, it was. Um, <laughs> it, maybe it's because the first time I saw it, it was you know I was still a kid, but like the uh, his section on there just really kind of freaked me out when I was a kid. Yeah, the the, the movie as a whole is great, you know. Great, great vignettes to it. uh Yeah, the the terror at thirty thousand feet one is is especially the stand. I mean, Lithgow just kills it in that one.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But but yeah, just just that whole kid controlling reality thing. Like, I don't know when 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 I was young, that one just really freaked me out. Like, it was just so bizarre. That kid was just unnerving. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, and I, when I remember watching it being like, I don't know if it freaked me out, because I don't, I, I remember when I saw it for the first time, I wasn't sure what reaction I was supposed to have, like, because it walks, it walks a really beautiful line between, like, just outlandish and, like, like, if it went, like, a couple steps in the other direction, it could have been just really, really dumb. But yeah, it, like he he's yeah. he, like
0: you like you said, Brad, he straddled the line, but he yeah. he landed on the correct side of that line, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree.
0: Alright, and then next we have Gremlins, which I don't really think there's anything any of us really have to say about Gremlins. It's a good Love movie, Gremlin. it's a funny movie, it's I've always had it, certain logical plot problems with it, but I'm willing to let really, that go.
2: It's Gremlin.
0: Well, like, okay, don't don't feed them after midnight. Well, isn't it always after midnight? And then how far after midnight can you feed them? 9 a.m. is still after midnight of the previous day. And if they multiply with water, then why when they're walking through snow, which is 98% water, and don't say it's because it's not pure water, because when they got the water mixed with paint spilled on them, they still multiplied, and it doesn't make any sense!
2: God, even Joan Collins would call you a bitch. <laughs>
0: so I'm just saying, it has plot problems, but I'm willing to overlook them because the movie's fun. It,
2: you know what? I It has plot problems. I'll overlook it because the movie is aware of those problems. It's a movie about gremlins, oh my freaking God. The movie <laughs> is completely aware of all of those problems. In the second movie, it directly spoofs all of those problems.
0: We'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. I'm one of the few that actually likes Gremlins 2 better.
2: No, I don't. I, I mean, I, I like it. I like Gremlins too, don't get me wrong, but I like the first one better. I love The First Gremlins because The First Gremlins is. The First Gremlins, I think, is does a horror comedy just so freaking well because it is fun. But the parts in it that are horror and you don't really see this a lot because usually when you see a horror comedy it's pretty much just a comedy but it's got blood in it and whatever sometimes it works you know sometimes it doesn't but in this movie when it's funny it's pretty funny but when it's got moments in it that are kind of horrific it feels like a horror movie like stripe
0: junk stripe jumping out of the fuse box
2: Stripe jumping out of the fuse box, the part with the uh, teacher getting his hand bitten off, the part with uh, the mother alone in the house with all the gremlins in it, and do you hear what I hear? The, the, the Christmas
0: tree? The gremlin in the Christmas tree? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I just don't think there's a lot we need to say about gremlins because we're just going to be reiterating what, what other people have said because mm-hmm. gremlins is a classic, despite my plot problems. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not even going to let Brian talk on that one. Next one is Explorers. I'll admit I liked this movie at the time. I did. I have not. Yeah, I have, I have, have not seen it in twenty that. years. I have
2: plot problems with that too. I mean, what the heck, man? You can't build a freaking spaceship out of a tilt a whirl. That's not going to work. You can't get up to space in that thing. Screw that movie. <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right, there, Prometheus boy. So, all right, now I, I have not. I have not seen Explorers in about twenty years, so I really can't comment on whether the film's held up well or not. I'm going to kind of have to defer. Explorers does it hold up?
2: Honestly, um I probably couldn't tell you either. I hope it does. I watched the movie a lot when I was a kid and I I would like to think that I would go back and watch it again and it still would be really funny because the parts that I remember in my head you know still make me laugh. So I haven't seen it in probably a good 15 years, but I I saw it so much when I was a kid that like I do completely remember most of it like as if i watched it a year ago like i like it when they go to when they they get up in those eight they go into space and the aliens are there and the alien says like he's talking like like bugs bunny and he starts singing the mr ed theme and he gives the kid that little thing and says it's these stuff dreams are made of like he's spouting off all these pop pop culture lines i liked that uh i thought that you know, I thought it was really funny back then, and I, I'm sure if I popped it in right now, it would still make me laugh.
1: And yeah, that that was one that I I think when I was growing up, like I I mean, I watched it all the time. I and yeah, I, I feel terrible because I know I probably haven't seen it since I was like 10, but I just I remember having just such fond memories of this one. I mean, it was just it was just I don't know it, it was it was just one of those movies that just really kind of hit you when you were like that
0: age it, it, it's kind of a teenage boys non-sexual fantasy and it, next then we go on to he directed an episode of the twilight zone 1985 series called the shadow mm. man which is a really creepy and very serious one about a ghost like killer that kills teenage or uh, kills middle school boys
2: it's i it's, haven't seen that like how was that compared to the one he had in the movie
0: it, it was much darker. This one was not played for comedy or, or being weird at all. This one was kind of... The the tone of it came across kind of more lighthearted, but it was basically uh-huh. a slasher flick. It was basically a yeah. slasher episode. And it had a pretty good twist at the end that I'm not going to ruin because it's Twilight Zone, and those are usually pretty good. Yeah. I admit I didn't see the, the twist that they had coming. All right, And then he did two episodes of Amazing Stories, which, as we all know, were not all that amazing.
2: <laughs> I Dude, I haven't seen Amazing Stories since like the the, the mid freaking 80s, so I, I couldn't tell you how those hold up.
0: Not well. I'd say out of the 44 episodes, maybe eight are still ones that I would go, that's cool, because I've yeah. got the DVDs and I watched the whole series a couple of years ago and went, wow, these are awful. <laughs>
2: Fantastic.
0: And then he did, you brought up before, Inner Space, another movie that I liked at the time. I haven't seen in probably 20 years so I can't tell you if it would hold up or not.
2: Yeah, dude, like I I I'm kind of with you on there. It's probably been 20 years since I've seen it too. The scene that I remember the most was uh the part where he latches he latches onto the back of Martin Short's eyeball and he's like he's like, "Hold on, this is really going to hurt." and latches this hook thing like onto the back of Martin Short's eyeball so that Dennis Quaid can like see through Martin Short's eyes and Martin Short just grabs his eye and starts freaking out and like falling all over the place and stuff like that. Like I, that's like the scene that I remember the most from that movie.
0: The thing I remember the most is it's not even a scene that's in the movie. It's something they talk about that they, you know, basically what the villains want to do at the end, just enlarge the spacecraft without taking it out of Martin Short. And I just went, Oh my God, that would be so disgusting. I kind of want to see it happen. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, you you kind of wanted to see that, that alternate ending, didn't you? Yes. <laughs> what about you, Brian? Inner space? Yeah, It's kind of funny. I was actually,
1: uh, I was hanging out over, uh, at Sarah's the other day and, uh, uh, we were trying to decide what to watch and, uh, I was like, oh, we should watch Space, but then everyone voted me down in favor of watching Transylvania 6-5000. Hey, that's well, a good
0: I, movie, too. I like that movie.
2: I'd rather watch Space. <laughs> I like Transylvania
0: 6-5000. O'Gina Davis's fake vampire boobs are awesome. Well, <laughs> <To> hell yes. <laughs> hell yes, they are. All right, <laughs> then after Space, because I'm just kind of passing over the ones that we really haven't seen in years because there's not much to talk about. The next one is one of my favorite an anthology film, I guess, technically, would be Amazon Women on the Moon.
2: Like a sketch flick?
0: Yeah. I love Amazon Women on the Moon. That movie is is just so funny to me. Because it really does feel like what it was almost like if it were a cartoon of what flipping channels at 3 in the morning on basic cable in 1986 was.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Amazon, yeah, you'll you'll have to talk you'll probably be able to talk more about this than the amazon women on the moon i haven't seen if we were talking kentucky fried movie i could probably name you all the sketches and what order they came in that's john amazon landis
0: w- we're not doing john
2: landis this week i know that's why we're not talking about <laughs> kentucky fried. what do you mean we talked about twilight zone movie we just branch off into both <laughs> <laughs> all right brian
0: have you when's the last time you've seen amazon women on the moon
2: Actually, the
1: last time I saw it slash the first time I saw it was at about
0: five in the morning at Brad's bachelor party. <laughs> the time you saw it at five in the morning—that's oddly appropriate given that movie.
2: We well, oh I don't yeah yeah remember I was I would have been outside like faced <laughs> at that point.
0: <laughs> yeah, you pretty much were. I think
2: we all
1: were, but yeah, uh, like Sam kept bringing up watching it, so eventually she went upstairs and got her VHS of it and put it on. So, yeah, I, I remember watching it then for the first time, and and, and yeah, I mean, I, I, it, I really, like, I think that's a good way that you put it there, Josh, is that it, it felt just like like flipping through channels, like, especially the way, like, it just kept coming back around to uh to certain things. It, it just had a really cool feel to it, like, it didn't feel, like, some anthologies have, like, odd transitions to them, or... You know, uh, and this, the, 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 this one is just side. flipping
0: channels. It's some guy, some you know. omnipresent the present narrator flipping channels. That's all it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there doesn't need to be any reason for a sketch to end. He got sick of it and flipped to another channel.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah. Some of them just end on the the, the strangest little notes, and uh, it, and it's just. I mean, it was it was a great collection of uh, of different actors in there. I mean, but, um... <laughs> yeah, but. <laughs> About anyone you could think of at the time was probably in it. I mean, it was it was great, and it was like the uh, what, I think what is it like the the, the first section of it? Uh, I, I'm not sure if the, it's one that uh, Dante did, but like the first one uh, in it was what the uh, the part with uh, Arsenio. Yeah, I, and- I
0: I can I still to this day laugh when the VCR shoots the tape back into his face. I still laugh at that.
1: <laughs> I mean, that was just some of the. Best physical comedy, just just the bizarre, like everything he touches breaking thing was just genius to me.
0: And and come on. Bullshit or not, was Jack the Ripper really the Loch Ness monster?
2: <laughs> That's what our conspiracy theory friend always says. And you know, it it
0: was just just perfect. Now the next film would be I know all three of us love this film, is The Burbs.
2: Yes. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely.
0: my favorite. I saw this in the theater and I've loved it ever since. My Me son, too. my son hated it at first, and I made him sit through it. At first, I made him sit through it two or three more times. Now he starts to appreciate it, especially because we're living next door to the Klopaks, or at least, oh, oh well. no, our, our, <laughs> our my neighbors are. We actually nicknamed them the Klopaks because they're that weird. Every now and then mm-hmm. we'll we'll take the dog out, and it's like, oh, the Klopaks are doing something.
2: Did You try bringing them <laughs> brownies?
0: No, 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 no. I'm afraid of getting attacked by bees.
2: There go the damn brownies.
0: I I, I, think, I think I think one of the best lines in that whole movie is a is a throwaway line when mm-hmm. uh, Rick Dukeman uses Tom Hanks's credit card and it breaks. He goes, ah, "I was a shit store anyway." <laughs> I just it's such a throwaway line, and I the way he delivers it in Tom Hanks's face, I swear it was an ad lib, but it's just so I, perfect.
2: Pinocchio, where do you think you're going? <laughs> well, and then you,
0: you want to talk a movie that changes tone. That ending, it gets That's- really dark in the last five minutes.
2: And this is this is what I want to say about that movie, because The Burbs, I could seriously talk all hour on The Burbs. It's my favorite Tom Hanks movie. It's my favorite Joe Dante movie. It's one of my favorite comedies of all time. I saw it in the theater when I was a kid and have been obsessed with the movie ever since. My mom took me to go see it. And oh, oh my God, I love this damn movie. But what I one of the things that I love is the fact that you're watching this movie and, you know, you're kind of thinking like, well, you know, maybe there's like a logical explanation to everything. Like, you know, like it'll be one of those movies where like, oh, at the end it turns out like it's all a misunderstanding and stuff like that. You know, you got that scene where uh, they're in bed, uh, Carrie Fisher and uh, Tom Hanks are in bed and they're, he's she's looking through his book of Satanism and, and she's like so what you're telling me honey is that the klopecks are satanists who offered up art as a human sacrifice and tom hanks is like that's one of the theories yes <laughs> and, but then it's great so it's setting it up like it's setting it up like okay there's probably an explanation for all of this but there isn't they are straight up serial killers what? they were they were right they were right the whole freaking time they were not Killing people,
0: and Bruce Dern is my favorite character in the movie.
2: Mine too, he, totally. He, he,
0: he sells this insane Vietnam vet, America loving psycho.
2: Soldier's way saves the day.
0: It's like, oh, wait, what do you want to watch? Uh,
1: Batman or uh, the Burbs? And I went with the Burbs. I mean, it's it's just it's it's a good choice. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's just it's it's such a fun movie. Yeah, I mean. Bruce Dern I, is just the highlight of that movie for me just Richie, every
2: get that lame-o off your lawn Got <laughs> <laughs> my lawn laymo <laughs>
1: just everything he has going on is just it's just really fun and i i loved the the fact that that it it was filmed there uh
0: it was filmed the, uh, the, on Wisteria Lane <laughs> it was filmed on what's now Wisteria Lane yeah
2: <laughs> There's like, just there's like one house that's exactly the same.
0: <laughs> ironically enough, not the Klopex. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, the the Burbs is a great movie. It's 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 one of those ones that, and I think you'll both agree. Like Brad pointed out, usually horror comedies tend to, or even drama comedies tend to t- be more comedy than drama. This really does straddle the line because every time it gets too ridiculous something pretty serious happens to bring you back into the story, and then something ridiculous happens again, and then something serious happens again. But it works.
2: It so works. You've got, like, it, it balances it so well. Like, you've got that, that dream sequence of his where they put him on the grill and then they they stab him and the, they, they stab Cause him. Because he was watching Texas
0: Chainsaw Massacre 2 earlier that night.
2: Yeah, he was watching that, The Exorcist, and um, Race with the Devil. And so he has this nightmare where the chainsaw goes through the wall and Carrie Fisher is standing there with fog around her and, uh, art dressed as skip. And, and then the next, and then it just cuts to the next morning and it's this awesome montage, like with the Mr. Rogers theme playing. And it's just, oh, and plus, I mean, I, I grew up in the suburbs, so that just makes it even better. I grew (laughs) up in like pretty practically that neighborhood
0: <laughs> all right well the the next film like i said i this is my favorite of the can you, you can call two films a franchise gremlins i think gremlins yeah. 2 is a superior film because it took it, it it didn't take itself seriously even a little bit and no no not at all and it has some of the some classic lines and, and lots of these little really real-world in-jokes. Like, remember when when Clamp plays that that tape about, we're sorry that the end of the world is upon us, and thank you for being a Clamp cable viewer? Dante says in the commentary, CNN actually has one of those, Mm -hmm. just in case of the real end of the world to play. And so that adds a weird sense of gravity to when Clamp plays that. And, you know, Clamp is like this giant child, oh, I get to use my escape route! (laughs) <laughs> and I just—I think Gremlins Two is is a superior movie. I just think it's funnier.
2: I well, yeah, I mean, but it's more of a comedy than the other one. But I I like I like the original better. I do like Gremlins Two. I I I, I know there's. I know there's a lot of people out there where it's just like one or the other, you know, they don't like one, but they like the other. Gremlins 2 though, I I, I like them both. Uh, They're both very different movies, and I think that that works, that they're both very different movies, because the idea of Gremlins the movie in and of itself, you could do a lot of really silly things with that and make it pretty funny, and Gremlins 2 goes the opposite direction that the first one did, in that it's very cartoonish, where you have the the bat gremlin you have the brainiac gremlin the fruit gremlin the well, male gremlin you, you, okay you, you brought up cartoon
0: stuff. you brought up cartoon literally yeah. if you ever stick around for the credits daffy duck harasses you for watching yeah. all of the credits
2: mm-hmm. that's brilliant yeah, he, to me oh yeah yeah i do like the movie I, I like the movie a lot i still i still prefer the first one but it, the first one's kind of more my cup of tea in terms of both movies but the uh, i love john glover in the second one i I'm, i i love john glover anyway but i he's my favorite character in the second movie
1: i think i mean i have seen gremlins 2 probably more times than i've seen the original i i really like it like just the the whole the whole aspect of like having so many different like types of them you know like the different the different stuff they get into that that alters them i think is really fun but i I, you know I don't know I, I think I kind of prefer the first one a little bit more just because it does take things just slightly more seriously, but that by no means means that uh, you know I, I don't think it's a bad movie by any stretch. It's 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 definitely like the uh it, it's, it's almost hard to even really compare the two directly just because they are they do feel like two like just such different styles of
0: movie. Well, all right, then let me ask uh, both of you guys. The
2: video, the video game for the second one was better than the video game for the first one. <laughs> That's true.
0: That's true. But l- 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 <laughs> l- l- let me ask you guys, which, which interruption do you prefer better, Hulk Hogan or John Wayne, for the video or the theatrical release for when the Gremlins decide to break the movie in half? John Wayne. The, the John Wayne one, which for the listeners is the one that was on the VHS version. In the theater, Hulk, they snapped the film and Hulk Hogan started threatening him. I just think the John Wayne one is funnier. How, yeah, th- I, I I think they got John Wayne's son to do his voice, or something like that. So mm-hmm. it it sounds just like him almost. All right, next. I can't speak at all to the next thing. He did a multiple episodes of the Erie Indiana TV show. I never watched Erie Indiana, so I have no idea whether those are any good or not. Me neither. I I couldn't tell you in terms of that. Uh,
1: I remember catching a few
2: episodes of it. Was it a Twin Peaks knockoff?
0: No, it, it, it was. It was. It was, was kind of, you know, it was very R.L. Stein style. It was. A, it was a primetime NBC series, but it was definitely aimed more at kids. Yeah. So it was just kind of meant to be weird Twin Peaks style, but I definitely kid friendly.
2: I, I remember the title more than I remember the actual show.
0: Alright, well, then the next one is a movie I love half of it, and that is Matinee. I
2: like Matinee. Matinee, like, I haven't seen Matinee in a really long time, but I really like the movie. I like the nostalgia of it and everything. I I like like that.
0: I like the fact that it's basically William Castle. But the thing I didn't like was the whole coming-of-age story of the kid finding his first love. That just kept making me going, oh. It's like get, get, get back it to evil. the get back to the William Castle stuff. That was the funny stuff. Well,
2: you can have stuff like that in a movie, and it can still work. And I thought it worked in that movie. I thought the characters were genuine; they were really likable. I thought they sold that really well. I Thought mm-hmm. it made it a very very movie. It's mant, funny, I have half
0: man, half man, half ant, all man. <laughs>
2: Damn, I need to see that movie. So like, <laughs> uh, which so hilarious? Because I have it on VHS. And the title really sticks out, like, on the wall. And so I always see it out of the corner of my eye, and I always think that it says Manity, And I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> I own Manatee? Oh, I never watched that. I should watch Oh, Oh, it's Matinee.
1: Matinee, okay. okay. This is one, yeah, I, I, I definitely remember seeing trailers for it, but I don't know if I've ever actually gotten around to watching it. John Goodman steals the movie.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. He's well, like okay. that's, that's basically just saying that John Goodman's in it. <laughs> so, well, okay, he's got a really large part in it, and he's basically playing William Castle.
2: Yeah. He's okay. putting shockers on the seats and stuff like that.
0: Dante did episodes of three TV series I've never even heard of before, Rebel Highway, Rebel
2: Highway sounds like something we should have seen. It does,
0: but I've never seen it. Runaway Daughters, don't know that, and Picture Windows, never seen that either. So, uh, uh, Brian, unless you've seen either of those series, we'll move on. (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to place those names, and I, I, I got nothing. All right, and then his next one was an HBO original movie called The Second Civil War. I oh, love this. this, yes, I yeah. love this movie. It is amazing. It is, it's, it's a satire of us basically getting into a second Civil War, and it gets progressively more ridiculous as the movie goes along, but it moves from each ridiculous thing so realistically, you could actually see things spinning out of control as fast as they do in the movie. It's really scary. I mean, and you've got a cast to die for. You've got James Earl Jones, Bo Bridges, Roger Corman on the cast, Daniel Hidea, Phil Hartman, James Coburn, Dennis Leary. You've got, uh, Jerry Harden. You've got just this huge cast of characters. And it's just one of the funniest movies out there that no, it's one of those funniest movies no one's seen. So I highly recommend Second Civil War. I know Brian hasn't seen it because I asked him about it before, and you said you hadn't.
2: I haven't seen it, no. I haven't checked that out.
0: And then the next one would be Warlord Battle for the Galaxy.
2: I, I haven't seen this either.
1: I think you you mentioned to me last uh, last time that I should check this one out, but
0: yeah, I, I, I definitely know I haven't seen it. It was it was a backdoor pilot for a UPN series back in like UPN's second year. Oh, so it th- had to be good. Third year. <laughs> and yeah, so it, they just aired it as a TV movie for our British listeners. You you got it on VHS as The Osiris Chronicles, but it's the same movie despite the changed title. It's basically what if Joe Dante decided John Corbett could be Han Solo. It's <laughs> it, it it's space opera and he doesn't have nearly the budget required to do the space opera and i like john corbett don't get me wrong i do i like but him but he is not an action rogue hero uh, No, he, he he i didn't buy him in the role
2: at he all you pull that off i could that's weird i could picture i give you picture you put some gruff on him it might be, he did that what was it, what was that show where he was a gambler on fx like lucky or lucky, something like yeah. that lucky yeah 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 he was they've done right i could see him playing like uh... Kind of a darker character.
0: It really wasn't that good. And there were no Joe Dante touches in this. I read an interview with him where he said it was basically work for hire. He basically just took the job and that was it. Yeah. And because it was a pilot, and we've talked about this back in the Jared days, when you're working on either an established or hopefully established series, you don't have a whole lot of leeway as director on putting your own style on things. It, it's, it's really kind of forgettable, but it's one of those things, if you ever wanted to see Joe Dante handle space opera, sure. try to find a bootleg. It's not been released on VHS or DVD here, but the Brits yeah. got it as the Osiris Chronicles.
1: I'm right <laughs> surprised this didn't get picked up, taking a look at it here. It, uh, it was nominated for a Primetime Emmy for Outstanding Hairstyling for a Miniseries. <laughs> that is such a specific award. <laughs> <laughs> How oddly specific. <laughs> it's almost like they just made it up like, well, we got it. It lost us. It
2: lost us the Scarlet miniseries. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, ne- next, we have Small Soldiers, a movie I'm kind of divided on. I'm a little mad at what they did in post production because of Phil Hartman, because I think it was. Very, they claimed they were honoring his memory by cutting scenes he was in of watching him get brutalized because one of the scenes had him getting shot in the head by one of the soldiers' fake guns. And since he really got shot in the head, they said they did that out of honoring. They cut almost 10 minutes of, of Phil Hartman's scenes. I don't know. Don't you take that as kind of insulting rather than honoring the guy by deleting all I, his scenes from his final movie?
2: I don't. Well, well, that's tough. That's tough because it isn't so much it isn't so much that they're just simply cutting his scenes. It, you know, they are cutting a scene where he's being shot in the head. The, I can see both sides on that. You know, what what would be nice is if later on you got to see the full movie. You know, but I can at least see coming from on that. Uh, because it isn't because if they were just if they just cut down his scenes just because just because it's Phil Hartman and he, and he was killed and, th- and that would be one thing and that that would be ridiculous but it is a scene of his character getting shot.
0: But he, his, his character doesn't and it's, get and killed. And it's being
2: done it's being done comedically and it's being done rather comedically. Yeah, I, I, th- it, I think
1: whenever I got around to watching it was just on like HBO one afternoon or something like that. I was like, well, I'm not doing anything else till work. I mean, it was a silly little movie. It, it kind of, it should in have been a way, yeah,
0: I, yeah, I I wish it had been darker. I, w- I wish they had taken a darker tone to it, it. It had its
2: it had its moments, but I really you could tell that they wanted to make that thing darker.
0: But you it, could also tell they wanted that teenage audience too.
2: Yeah, unfortunately. yeah, yeah.
1: It, it kind of just felt like like it, I I I don't know. I kind of felt cheated in a way watching it because you're like, well. They could have just changed a couple things here, and this could have been like an interesting, almost like Gremlins three type script. I, I mean, like uh, who, who was it? Like like uh, uh, Tommy Jay Lee Moore, the uh,
2: Kristen Dunst was in that. Uh, well,
1: I I really liked uh just because I love these guys, like Jay Moore and uh David Cross. Like I I loved them, and, and
0: like, uh, I, wasn't Dennis Leary the actual big head of the toy company? At the very end of the movie, wasn't that Dennis Leary? Yes, yes, yes. he
2: was. I think so. Lee yeah. Jones was the main toy, and yeah. I really like the relationship between the kid and that. Was it an Indian toy? I like the relationship between the kid and like his toy. I liked that. Like it seems like in the Indian in the cupboard. If, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> like no, not that movie. Um, <laughs> I like I like that relationship there. Uh, and. It was like it was was trying to be like Gremlins crossed with Toy Story, and it wasn't really as good as either one of those, but it was okay. It had its moments. Like, when they're coming to life and it's playing like another one bites the dust and they're tying up Kristen Dunst, like that was kind of cool.
0: Well, and next he did two episodes of the Night Visions show, which I haven't seen since 2001, so I don't even remember those, but I've got them. He did a short film called Haunted Lighthouse, which I haven't seen of either of you guys. Otherwise, we'll move past that. Mm Mm-mm then he did a movie I still need to see, Looney Tunes back in action. I haven't seen it, but I've been told I would probably like it.
2: Well, I don't know about that. It has it, you know, there are some really good ideas in that movie, and I didn't really think the movie was all bad. It's certainly better than Space Jam, but... What, it, it falls into that whole deal where like, why did there have to be humans in this? Why is why is Brendan Fraser and Jenna Elfman in this movie? Why did there have to be live action shtick in this? Like seriously, just why? Why does this need to be here? Like it wasn't really like annoying or anything. Well, the villain was kind of annoying, but uh, but like it was like why can't, why couldn't this just have been an animated movie? But it did have good qualities to it. One that it really is a Daffy Duck movie, and I like that. Daffy Duck's my really... favorite
0: Looney Tunes character, so you're sell- yeah. you're selling me right there.
2: So it is a Daffy Duck movie, and I the movie the movie really is worth watching because of that. Like it does, like Daff. There's some really good ideas there. Like Daffy Duck quits, and so Bugs Bunny has to now like take all the shots from Elmer Fudd's gun, and like so Bugs is sitting there and like cast and bandages. There's some really good ideas here. There's a part where they're all in this like animated characters cafe and like porky pig and like speedy gonzalez are like sitting at a table and they're sad because they're not politically correct anymore and they're not getting work and like it shows like shaggy and scooby-doo there and there's the animation of them is significantly worse looking than the other characters because the animation of Scooby-Doo yeah. significantly freaking worse. But um, so there, there are really, really good ideas in that. And some of that works, but you mix it in with the live action stuff. Now, the Timothy Dalton stuff was really good. Like Timothy Dalton plays, he plays, t- Timothy Dalton plays, um he plays one of the good guys. He plays, he plays an action movie star who actually is a spy so he's playing it as if Timothy Dalton actually is James Bond. <laughs> okay. And that that's really cool. I I like that. Like the live action stuff was almost worth it because of that because one I'm a huge Timothy Dalton fan and the fact that he's playing he, that he's playing like this action movie star and he actually is James Bond. He actually is like a James Bond type is <laughs> it makes him more of a good guy than in like the Rocketeer, where he played an action movie star who was a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> what about you?
0: What about you, Brian? Looney Tunes back in action.
1: This is one I, I I took a pass on whenever it first came out because it just I've learned more about it here in the past minute than I have ever. <laughs> Me that, too. I I, I just, watching the trailers for it when it first uh, was was making the rounds. I just was like, oh, okay, cool. Space Jam 2, Gotcha. It's like, and I than just, that. I just didn't didn't care for it just just based on that it just it didn't look like something I'd be into and Steve Martin in the trailers really turned me out, because I am definitely not a Steve Martin fan. I what do you have against probably. him in
0: Godzilla? Oh, d- sorry, different Steve Martin. Steve, <laughs> yeah, that was like, a much better Steve Martin. Uh, Raymond and, and Raymond and Burr do, is a better and Steve, and Martin do, like, Steve Martin than Steve Martin. And
2: I do like Steve Martin, I do, but he was he was pretty annoying in this. He plays the villain. He plays, like, the head of the Acme Corporation. And there's, like, there's some funny bits there where, like, Wiley Coyote keeps trying to, like, return all of his failed items and stuff like that. Like, so, like, that has a couple funny moments in it. But Steve Martin, he plays it, he plays it really too much over the top. And it was, he plays it almost like Shemp Howard. It's like he's kind of trying to be, like, Shemp Howard. And I like Shemp Howard, but, like, this was just, like, a little too much. And, and I like Steve Martin, but not really in this. All
0: right, and then next we have, he. it's a, another anthology film. He only did the wraparounds for a movie called Trapped Ashes. I have not seen it, but I've heard it's terrible. Either of you? Yeah, mm, never heard of it. Okay, then he did two really good episodes of Masters of Horror. Did He did the screw the Screwfly Solution and Homecoming, which are both very political So if you don't want to see political stuff, avoid them. If you want to see great political satire, both of those episodes are a must-watch. must He did an episode of CSI New York called Boo, which Brad and you and I have talked about that prior. He did a movie in 2009 that still is unreleased called The Hole. It still cannot find a distribution deal. And it's like, really, has has Dante's name lost so much credit that he can't sell a movie anymore? Just... I want to see it just because Joe Dante did it, and he said it's a yeah. horror movie.
2: Yeah, well, and apparently it's in 3D. <laughs> yeah,
0: and it's like, why can this not get a distribution deal? And then he did the the Roger Corman produced web series Splatter, which is really awful, but it you know it does feel Dante. He did an episode of Hawaii Five O, which I don't watch that show, so I I know I haven't seen that unless either of you yeah. guys watch Hawaii Five ah, O. What what I want to end on is, I think Joe Dante is a great director who I honestly wish would do more. He's one of those guys, when you look at his filmography, you'll see it's weird how his filmography goes. There'll be huge gaps in his filmography, and you're like, what the hell? Could he just not get work or what?
2: Work, and I'm not talking about episodes of CSI New York or Hawaii 5
0: I, I want something that feels like a Joe Dante movie again. Yeah. What are your final thoughts on Joe Dante Bryan?
1: Oh, I I just I, I feel like he he's one of those actors to actors one of those directors that I mean he just all of his his classic movies like from from like the heyday like you know me growing up uh, that I remember I mean they're they're they all just like have such a, a cool feel to him like he he great at, at mixing together horror elements and comedy elements to where it only ever went in the direction he wanted it to. Like there were there was never like one that he wanted to be scary or like like the howling isn't an unintentional comedy. He wanted it horror, it's horror. You know, his Twilight Zone segment was perfectly balanced and like stuff like Amazon Women on the Moon is just straight out comedy. Like it's just he was so good at targeting exactly what he wanted that I, I think that's just pitch perfect. I mean that's you couldn't ask for something better. What about you, Brad? Your thoughts on Dante?
2: You know, the man made, he made some of the, some very, very, very sentimental movies to me. Whether it's Gremlins, whether it is Explorers, or seriously, one of my favorite comedies of all time, (laughs) The Burbs. So this is a guy who could do some really, really funny, yet pretty darkly bonkers stuff and did it incredibly well.
0: I agree. I think Joe Dante, is, is he's very underrated. Yes, a lot of people know his name, but mm-hmm. for whatever reason, his name is never spoken in the same sentences as Romero or Carpenter uh-huh. or anything like that, and I think that's kind of a shame because I think even though a lot of his movies are not underrated, I think he as a director is an underrated director, if that makes sense.
2: Well, those who love those movies know Joe know Joe Dante.
0: So, wh- where can we find Brad?
2: Cinemasnob.com.
0: Where can we find Brian?
1: Same place, cinemasnob.com.
0: That's because you suck and you don't have your own webpage. Yeah, well, where <laughs> can we find you, Josh? At 1201beyond.com. And you can reach me at 1201beyond at gmail.com. And my weekly column sanity is razor thin at geekjuicemedia.com, smartass. Care cinemasnob.com.
2: <laughs> <laughs>